November is National Family Caregivers Month. Occasionally, first responders are witness to the darker side of caregiving as patients, particularly those with Alzheimer's or some other form of dementia, exhibit assaultive behavior. Larger scale calls for service include individuals who wander away from their residence. On this episode of NCJA 1014, we'll take a closer look at these diseases, the people responsible for providing care, and some tips for law enforcement on how to deal with these encounters. My guest for this episode is Denise Young, program manager with the Western Carolina chapter of the Alzheimer's Association in North Carolina. Denise, welcome to NCJA 1014. And for our discussion, it's probably a good idea that we open up with some layman's terms of helping folks understand Alzheimer's and the different forms of dementia. Thank you, and it's, it's great to be here today sharing information with you guys. So one of the most common questions that I get asked is just what is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? Um, most people don't really know. Uh, dementia in itself is just a umbrella term is what we call it that describes a set of symptoms that simply means a decline in your cognitive functioning that's severe enough to interfere with your daily life. Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of those dementia symptoms. It accounts for roughly 60 to 80 percent of all dementia cases. And it's just a condition where you have problems with your memory and your thinking abilities that really make it difficult for you to just perform everyday activities on your own. While most people who are affected are 65 or older, um, you don't have to be 65. It's certainly, um, we do have over 200,000 people who are younger than age 65 who are affected by Alzheimer's disease. But even though most people are age 65 and older, it is not a normal part of aging. It is a progressive brain disease. So that kind of helps clarify the differences between the two. And I'm glad you brought up that part about age because I was one of those people who always thought that it was an age-related disease and that it only struck elderly people until it affected me personally. And one of my good friends, who ironically enough was a retired assistant chief at a police department, started contracting some symptoms at age 57, and it claimed his life by the time he was 62. So that to me, you know, it, it certainly hits home. And, and I think from a first responder standpoint that we need to be more cognizant that it, it really isn't, quote unquote, elderly kind of disease, is it? Right. And like you, before um, before I came to work with the association, I too thought it was an older person's disease. But, you know, through I've been with the association nearly 10 years now, and I've worked with many, many families who have been affected in those earlier years. Well, let's then put that into perspective and let's kind of get a little deeper into our discussion and give our listeners some perspective about the sheer volume of persons as well as families that are dealing with Alzheimer's and some other form of dementia on a daily basis. What do those numbers look like? So right now, there's 6.7 million Americans who are currently living with Alzheimer's disease or another form of dementia. 180,000 of those are in North Carolina alone. 
Um, but more importantly is the number of caregivers um, for those, because this disease affects a lot more than just the person with the disease, but also their families and the persons taking care of them. And nationwide, there's over 11 million caregivers. And most of those are family and friends who are not being paid for this care. And they provide more than 533 million hours of unpaid care a year. So, you know, if you really put that into dollar amounts, we're looking into the billions of dollars of care for those who are affected by this disease. And we'll talk a little bit more as we continue our discussion about the difficulty that's involved with that and and how it's not just taxing on the patient, but it is taxing on the caregivers as well. But in kind of doing some research for our discussion of this episode, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that the Alzheimer's Association provides training for law enforcement and other first responders. If you could give us an overview of what that looks like, and if you have examples of working with particular agencies in North Carolina, I'd love for you to share one or more of those. Yeah, so we do work with um, jurisdictions and first responder agencies across the state and really just to help them uh, know how to respond to some of the most common calls that they may encounter when working with someone who has dementia. So we work with the crisis intervention training programs um, in Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department. Um, That's just one example. We provide dementia training that is really a part of their overall training programs. We also work with the Department of Justice Police and Fire Training Academy. We have a program that we call Understanding Alzheimer's and Dementia for First Responders, and it really helps prepare them, those first responders, to help them identify the disease um, and how to appropriately respond again to those really common calls that they get. Approaching Alzheimer's First Responder Training Program is a free on-demand program that we offer on our website. And um, it also gives certification to the individuals who take that course, and it is self-paced, and it is available on demand. So, you know, we just go over common scenarios and likely calls that they're going to receive and uh, train them on how to respond to those. Well, and that leads me into this next question. Not every officer has had an encounter with an Alzheimer's patient, but I'd say that based off the numbers that you provided earlier, the chances of responding to a call for services are probably going to get greater and and right now are even pretty high. Can you give some quick tips for what law enforcement officers can expect? And if you can, maybe even some specific types of call for service involving Alzheimer's patients. Yeah, so some of the more common calls that you get, of course, wandering. I mean, we see calls like this all the time in the news where a person with dementia has wandered away and gotten lost. So first responders are the usually the first ones who will be called for that and that will have to encounter the person uh, for wandering. Shoplifting is also a common call because the person with Alzheimer's or dementia may take things from the store not intending to steal them, but they just don't realize they have to pay for them. They may be confused on where they are, things like that. Driving is probably one of the most common calls that you get because this disease affects a lot more than just your memory. It affects your ability to judge distance, your balance, lots of different things. So driving becomes a real issue and we see a lot of accidents happen for people who have dementia. Abuse and neglect is also a common call, and you may even get calls for people who are having hallucinations and thinking that they see or hear things that they don't see or hear. So all of those are are common um, calls that a first responder 
may have to deal with. So we do offer through our training, we, we want them to have the right response to situations when they do encounter a person with dementia. They might not mistake the person um, for being under the influence of some, you know, of alcohol or medications, but to be able to recognize it actually as dementia. And so we we give them simple tips and tricks and we use a acronym called TALK and it's we call it TALK Tactics. And the first letter of that, the T stands for take it slow. Anytime you're dealing with a person who has dementia, you really have to slow down. You have to understand that it takes their brain longer to process information. So you really have to approach them slowly and be patient and take your time when dealing with a person with dementia. The A stands for ask simple questions. Yes or no questions are best because it's very difficult for a person with dementia to give long explanations of what they're doing and why they're doing it. So simple yes or no questions. You want to limit the L stands for limit reality checks. And that simply means join the person in their reality. If they're telling you what they're you have to understand that what they are experiencing is as real to them as your reality is to you. So even though it may not be your reality, joining their reality really helps to keep them calm and work with you to get the answers that you need. So you really want to limit reality checks and asking them do you remember? Do you know this? Do you know that? But join them in their reality. And then the K is just keep eye contact. It's very important to keep eye contact with the person when you're talking to them so they can understand what it is that you're trying to relay. So we train officers um, and first responders in those very simple techniques um, to improve communication and help elicit the responses that they need. Well, in law enforcement over a career, you will accumulate a 55-gallon barrel of acronyms. So having the one talk is one more that we can add to that arsenal. So so thank you again, because that really does summarizes everything that an officer can do in a very short period of time. And so that's that's one that's helpful. And that, that might be one we could put in our show notes as well. So I mentioned in my opening comments that November is National Caregivers Month. And while our focus is on providing information to law enforcement and other first responders, I think I would be remiss if I didn't at least ask about the importance of caregivers. So what resources are available from the Alzheimer's Association for those who are having to deal with Alzheimer's patients? So we have lots of resources available um, both in person and through our website. Um, Caregiver education uh, is a big piece of that because what we often see is that um, once a person is diagnosed, a lot of times they're just given the diagnosis and the doctors are, you know, don't really provide a lot of resources. And you know, we're not, we don't grow up knowing how to deal with this disease. So it's really important that these caregivers are educated on how to communicate, how to deal with behaviors as they occur, and just general information about the disease itself and what to expect as this disease progresses. So education is a big piece of what we do and a huge resource that we provide. Um, We also have, um, we're a part of Project Lifesaver, and that's a search and rescue program that's operated internationally um, by public safety agencies. 
And it's really designed for people who are at risk of wandering um, to help keep them safe. And it provides a timely response to save lives and reduce potential injury for both adults and children who are uh, have the propensity to wander due to whatever cognitive condition. Um, so there's over 60 life Project Lifesaver programs across North Carolina. And while we're talking about wandering, the Alzheimer's Association also facilitates um, our safe return program. And that is to help people that are dealing with that medical emergency of having a loved one who has who has wandered. So in collaboration with the Medical Alert Foundation, we have a membership through a program called 24-7 Wandering Support for Safe Return. And that helps families feel a little bit safer and protect their loved one from wandering. Well, I'll go back and, and talk about my friend just a little bit more, which I think is is pertinent to first responders coming into a resident. More often than not, the spouse becomes the primary caregiver, and, and his wife was trying to juggle her life, her career. They had a small business, and so they tried to put him into uh, a more standardized caregiver, a day program, if you will. And that just did not work out. Uh, so I think from a law enforcement standpoint, we need to recognize when you show up to someone's door that it probably has not been the easiest day to begin with. And by the time someone has had to reach out and call law enforcement, it, that, that's almost the desperation call. And so I think from our standpoint, you've got to have some compassion to, to show up at that door and realize that you just don't have a clue what that caregiver has been through and what they may have experienced that day until they finally picked up the phone and punched those three numbers, 911, to try and get some additional help. Am I yeah. headed in the right direction there? You are exactly right. And, you know, many of us think that when a person has Alzheimer's or dementia, that they're that they're placed in an assisted living facility or that they're, um, you know, in a another community somewhere. But more than 70% of people with dementia actually live at home, um, you know, live in their neighborhoods. So we do, um, first responders do get a lot of calls from caregivers who that's a crisis situation for them because they're not going to call unless it's they don't know what else to do. So that first responder is entering into a situation that's already, you know, an elevated situation. So those caregivers have a lot on their plate. Um, oftentimes, they're also caring for a child while they're caring for the person who has dementia. So um, it's a very, very difficult job. Yeah. Well, Denise, our time for this very valued discussion has just about expired. I want to thank you for sharing with law enforcement how they can best interact with those who suffer from Alzheimer's or some other form of dementia. Thank you so much for your valuable time. Oh, thank you so much for allowing us to share. An estimated 6.7 million Americans, age 65 and older, are living with Alzheimer's or some other form of dementia, including 180,000 right here in North Carolina. Nationally, there are more than 11 million caregivers with people having Alzheimer's disease. You've heard how caregivers function and how the chances of law enforcement receiving a call for service on a patient are ever increasing. In our quest to provide training that is relevant, innovative, timely, and engaging, the North Carolina Justice Academy is pleased to help shine the spotlight on National Caregivers Month. 
This is Kirk Puckett. Thank you for listening to this episode of NCJA 1014. And until our next episode, please stay safe. NCJA 1014.